welcome back to the What's Cooking podcast with me, Beth, and my co-host, Kat. We talk to food and drink entrepreneurs about their businesses, how they got started, and what gets them out of bed in the morning. Today we're here with Ellie, best-selling author, food writer, and chef. <laughs> Hi, Ellie. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Okay, to start off, what was your first ever job in food? My first ever job in food was at Brown's Restaurant in Cambridge. Um, I was at Sixth Form College and they put a postcard up on the jobs board. This is pre-internet years. This was 1997 and they put a postcard up on the job board at college looking for seaters, which is what they called their kind of hostess um position uh and we used to go to browns when this is when before browns became like a massive chain there were only a few of them and we used to go there when, as a family when i was little and i thought it was just like the coolest place ever it's like i just wanted to be in that world and so i applied for a job and i got it and um everybody else that worked there were full-time the only part-time members of staff were like the barbacks and for busy like weekends and um the uh, seaters so uh I was working with a load of people who were kind of full-time professional restaurant people and um, absolutely loved it and that was it. My uncle was the chef, I think head chef at Browns and Cambridge. Oh, what was his name? Steve Shepherd. I think oh, yeah. He, do you know that? Yeah, yeah, because he, he became like um, group um, chef. He yeah, used to go yeah, around yeah. to a lot of... Because then he moved, now they live in Bristol. Oh, really? Yeah. That funny story. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go there and it was like such a treat. Yeah. And then it became this Massive chain, and now it's kind of, and, oh, it was but super it, special. But it was, yeah. yeah, it was such a like well thought of. Yeah, yeah, but, and in Cambridge there wasn't really anywhere else, so yeah, that I'm was, sure he'd remember. Yeah, me well, though, I don't know, if, I don't know if he would, but um, yeah. Was I'll he think. the chef there when you were there? No, he, he was already, already the, kind of moving around. Yeah, yeah. but um, that was how I started, and then when I. Um, I then applied to be a waitress, which was like a real big deal. Like when I kind of at college, I started getting waitressing shifts because. We were paid one pound fifty an hour. That this is before minimum wage, but the tips were incredible. Yeah. I still now, to this day, like I earn more some weeks there than I ever have since. Like it was insane, good times. <laughs> but yeah. I'm you know seventeen, eighteen, and spending all of it on you know ridiculous things that I wish I hadn't. But um, yeah, I started waitressing then, and I worked front of house um, then all the way through until I was a uh, general manager by the time I was twenty five, and um, then I opened the cafe. Oh gosh, mm. that's a big lot of experience and really good first job. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It was. It wasn't. My, I worked in shops and yeah. stuff before, but that was my first restaurant job. Has food always been just a passion of yours? Yeah, always. But I'm um, just like eating out was something that my family chose to spend their money on. You know, different families spend money on different things, and for us, I was like super fortunate that for my parents, going out together was something that we did. And I just always loved it, always loved um, being in kind of grown-up situations when I was a kid. That was like my favourite treat, to be treated like a grown-up and to be able to go out for dinner and stuff. And um, I just like loved it. Getting a job there was like so exciting for me to be part of that kind of gang. So you were working as general manager Mm -hmm. at Browns? No, 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 not at Browns. So I I moved from Cambridge and I moved to Bristol to go to uni. Okay, So I then, in the intervening years, did loads and loads and loads of different restaurant jobs. So um, I worked my own. I never applied for a job ever after that. I was just poached from one job to the next. And um, I worked my way up. So I was 
my manager from Browns in Cambridge moved to open a restaurant in Bristol. And when I was at uni, he asked me if I wanted to go and work and be his assistant manager there. So then I started working with him there, and that was a restaurant called Braz, um, which Kit Chapman, Dominic Chapman's dad, owned. Um, and uh, after that, I went. I was working at Browns and there for a bit, and then various different other places. And then it was a gastro pub in Bristol that I um, was general manager at. So that was my last job for someone else. Um, and then, yeah, had an absolutely awful year. One of my best friends died and, like, really made me reevaluate like, what I wanted to do. And um, I was really miserable and mm. um, kind of it was time to kind of work out what was going to work for me. And, I, yeah, started the business in uh, 2006. Um, opened the cafe, which is, like, right in the centre of Bristol. Um, having had no <laughs> experience... <laughs> like doing that myself at all but really kind of gung-ho and just kind of went for it and um the cafe was called the pear cafe that's why everyone calls me ellie pear and um, it was there for 12 and a half years before i closed it in september of 2018. such an impressive run like you were saying before we started recording that no one else around you has been there for so- that long loads of places open and closed in that time so, yeah yeah it's incredible feat and um, yeah, we were saying before we started recording that how it was such a positive moment for you deciding to close the cafe. Yeah, it really was. Um, everything was going great. Do you know what I mean, we were we were busy. It wasn't that like oh god, everything's awful. You know, it's run its course. Um, I had written two books at the same time as running the business, um, as well as starting to do lots of other sorts of work which I really enjoyed. And it got to a point where. I was spreading myself across everything, working really hard all the time, and I just wanted to have a bit more work-life balance. And so, yeah, I made a really um, quick decision. As soon as the thought was in my head, it burrowed deep, and I was like, that is, that's you the right thing for me. I just knew, yeah. and it was, I was scared because I couldn't even begin to work out how to start the process. Like, it had been my life for so long, um, and I really didn't know how but this is always the way it's like if you know that you need to break up with a boyfriend or um that you want to move out of a house share all these different sort of situations that are really you know that it's what you're going to do but it's just how do you make that first move how do you start picking out the you know the straws um and as soon as I started doing that it all kind of came clear and wasn't actually nearly as complicated and hard and difficult as I feared it would be and um yeah I announced it on a Friday, I think, and then the Tuesday afterwards was our last day. <laughs> no mucking about. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but as you say, I think those processes, it becomes more heartbreaking if you start dragging it out and it maybe becomes more stressful because you're, you've are you got this whole list of things you need to do, whereas the approach you took was like, Rip this the is happening, off. rip yeah. the plaster <laughs> off, exactly. Yeah. And it's probably going to feel better doing it that way than and having to always has loads of questions about you know why are you doing it and everyone always yeah. presumes that there's something that you're not telling is like there isn't anything i'm not telling yeah. you i'm not making out everything's fine when it's not and actually we're going to pot it was everything was fine it was mm. like my decision of what was right for me at that time in my life and um not having to like make that decision with anyone else running a business on your own is so hard 
But the great thing is, is that if you want to make decisions, sometimes it's difficult because you've got to make those decisions on your own, but sometimes that's brilliant. You know, I didn't have to yeah. ask anybody else what they thought and if they were okay with what I wanted to do. Mm. It was just like what was right for me. And did you find that you kind of had the support in that decision of the people that worked for you and your customers? Yeah, the timing actually worked out really well because um, at the time of closing, I had two members of staff, one full-time and one part-time. And I always knew that Lindsay, who was working for me part-time, um, she's a choreographer and a yoga teacher and stuff. And it was always that she was there for a kind of a period and then she was going to go back. And it got to the point where she was like, her other work was getting busy. So she told me a little bit before we closed that that was what she was going to do. Um, but that wasn't like, okay, well then I'm going to close. It was just like, I knew that was happening. And then John, who worked for me full-time, um, had also told me that he, because he really wanted to um, work in the coffee industry, and he told me that he had um, found a new job. So it got to a point where I either started recruiting people mm. and started training new people up. It was when my um, I was deep into writing my third book as well. So I thought it actually seems to be really wise to do it now, because otherwise I'm going to give someone a job, and then potentially when I've made my mind up, then not going to have a job very soon. So mm. it kind of all fits together. So I didn't have to make anybody redundant. There wasn't any staff issues. Everybody kind of like, it was just a natural point for all three of us. So um, that worked out really well. Yeah, oh, that's great. Because yeah. I suppose that would be one of the that things that you... Oh, be awful, yeah. Yeah. And when other people are uh, relying on you. So, you know, John had worked for me for a long time and um, he'd found a job that he really wanted to do. So it was kind of like a good time for him. Um, and yeah, it all kind of fell into place like that a nice new voice. beginning yeah for all, all of, of us exactly yeah mm, that's really nice how did you go about starting your first book were you already doing those kind of recipes on instagram and things yeah were you approached? so i don't know um just for people that haven't uh seen it my first book was called fast days of feast days and it was built around the five two way of eating um i that was a massive um thing at the time in kind of 2015 2016 um, uh, Dr. Michael Mosley's um, program was on TV and they're exploring the benefits of the 5-2 but what I was seeing was so many terrible recipes for to fit into this way of eating and loads of people that worked in um, food were actually finding that the 5-2 really fitted in well with the way that they had to yeah. eat for work or you know if you're restaurant reviewing or writing recipes or whatever actually finding two days where you have to um, restrict is easier and more you know sensible than doing it all the time um but you know if people care about food and working food they're not suddenly two days a week and they'll be like oh i don't care i'm just going to eat some rubbish you know packaged food or some Hot terrible thing or just, yeah, yeah just water. yeah just really <laughs> miserable food um and so i started doing it and um i was sharing the recipes that i was making on instagram really is a kind of diary for me to keep track of what i was doing but also because every time i shared anything people were like whoa, actually, I could make three course dinners and breakfast, lunch and dinner within the 500 calorie count. Like, I just got really, really good at knowing how to maximise what was possible. Um, and so I started sharing it, and that's... Um, I don't think anybody else was doing that, really. So um, when I got my book deal, it was... My book was kind of up against non-illustrated, paperback, quickly produced five, two books. So that book came out in... Um, the summer of 2016. Were you approached to do that or did you have the idea and kind of pitch it? No, 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 I didn't, I didn't pitch it at all. I got, um, I, I'd had ideas for ages and um, it's quite, it, was a, it was a very long process of 
um, people approaching me but wanting um, me to do it quickly and like we need to jump on this like can you you know 100 recipes by last week sort of thing and for various different reasons it didn't um, happen for a little while um, and then um, uh, when HarperCollins um, asked me to do the book they weren't the only publishers that wanted me to do it but they put together an absolutely amazing proposal where they made it clear that they really had big plans for the book and they had a really good idea and they made this incredible kind of um, uh, presentation when we went to their offices and they just really wowed me and um, so yeah it wasn't just them I was in an amazing position where I like had a kind of few offers but they really kind of stood out and um, so I ended up doing two books with them um, 2016 and 2017 and then um, I didn't do a book last year, and then um, my new book is out in May this year, but with ebook. And how did you find you were eating with the in the five two mm -hmm. style? How did you find? Did you have a lot of recipes in the bank already? No, that you, no. Not at all. Like um, so, the book is fast days and feast days. It's not all fast day recipes. No. It's a mixture of the two. And you never know when you do that first book. I've had this conversation with so many people. It's like when a band get a first record deal. You have to, you know, you've been playing together in the garage, your spare room for 10 years and everything you've done all gets put into that one album because you don't know if you're going to get another deal and you want everyone to see all these things that you're proud of and then you've got to do this, you've used up all your stuff and all your good ideas and then when you get asked to do a second book, you're starting from scratch but in a completely fresh way and you're not trying to use everything you've ever loved and known. So um, uh, I think the second book became a really good... I'd learned so much doing the first book and the second book was really kind of like the follow-on to um, the first book. It was, uh, I'd learned a lot about the benefits of batch cooking, for example, when I was doing the 5-2, you know, cooking on a day when you're not on a fast day so you can get yourself all organised and everything, then on a um, fast day when you get home from work, something's ready to go. Mm. I'd find myself dipping into those stocks on non-fast days and then pimping them up and adding you know, eggs and, you know, toast and stuff with it because I wasn't on the fast and it didn't matter. I just loved the convenience of taking out this basically homemade ready meal. So then totally changed the way that I cooked and the way that I, you know, organised myself at home and organised my fridge and freezer. So the second book was really the way that I was eating after I, um, the first book. And the third book, again, is kind of like everything I've learned from that second book and the things that people have loved and used a lot and it's gone into the third book. It's really nice that there's this natural progression and that the the focus of the books is that they're just so useful, they're genuinely helpful, not just nice recipes. It's just you actually people are actually gonna use that and the flavour hacks and the all the little extra tips in there. They are actually practical applications. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I hope so. That's what I aim for. No, it's good. And you were saying kind of before we started recording that I mean, obviously, you've got a really great presence on social media, and you found that a really useful tool to kind of get feedback from your from Massively. your readers. It's a huge part of how I write books because every day I'm getting feedback all the time. I'm seeing what people are enjoying, seeing what people are uh, not only liking but saving and sharing. Um, you can see all of those statistics within Instagram if you've got a business account, so you can see um, not who has saved it or shared it, but um, how many times it's been saved and shared which is so much more telling than 
just a like because it really is the things that people want to come back to and like, often people will just screen grab things and save bits of things so there's always a lot more people than the ones that actually have worked out how to use the save function on so um, they'll that gives you some idea but you know god knows how many other people are also saving things as well but i'm seeing that all the time so i know what it is that people are enjoying what they like and what they want to come back and refer to and so often like you said it's those kind of flavor hat things it's like if i share things like the um, pink pickled onions or little oh, bits good. and pieces yeah. like that i posted about fish finger taco the other night because it's something that i've always just made for myself as like one of my favorite kind of um just a, a, a delicious treat that's quick and easy and like I just love it and nothing has ever been saved as much really? as that and the amount of pictures in the last couple of days of people like I had to go I had to, I had to go and that's lovely I like having this continual two-way um conversation on Instagram is so valuable for me do you find do you feel much pressure with the Instagram do you feel like you have do you struggle to po to find things to post or never ever, ever. worry about content? No? Never ever ever. That's good. When I hear people talk about that, it makes me really feel really sad. Like when people feel like it's such a job and it's work. I've never felt like that about Instagram. I've always loved sharing what I'm doing and what I'm working on, and the benefits that I get from it are so many and varied. Um, so many brilliant things have come to me through Instagram: work, friendships, all sorts of things. Um, and the fact that I'm not sitting in my turret writing on my own, you know, I'm, I, I'm actually having this like dialogue with my audience continually, mm. um, seeing what they're enjoying, what they want more of, um, watching that, seeing their versions. I always think like when, you know, not even that long ago, 10 years ago, if Delia wrote a book and people loved what she'd written, what are they going to do? They're going to write a letter? To her, or they're going to wait to see her at a, yeah. a, a um, road show, or you know, a um, good food um, demo or something. No, now people will get my book, and literally the day that it comes out, people will be making stuff and posting a picture of it, and I get to see what people are enjoying. And you never know what are going to be those dishes. So it's so interesting. I'm really excited to see come May the twenty third. What are the things that fly? Because you'll make something, and sometimes it will be. I was listening to the um, Bon Appetit food cast recently, and they were talking to um, one of their contributors who'd written a book recently, and she was talking about this thing that, like, sometimes it's because there's an amazing picture and it really catches people's attention, and that's what they end up making a lot. Sometimes, you know, someone mentions it in a review or whatever, but you never know what are going to be those dishes that people make over and over and over again. And from the last two books. I would never have known before they came out what have ended up being the kind of things that are made over and over and over and over again. There's a doll in my second book. That's um, really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and people have weaned their babies on it. They've put it in the freezer when they've gone off to, you know, to have a baby and then come back and have their stock. You know, there's all these people that these recipes have become part of their life and that is such an honour and so exciting and I can't wait to see what are the things that people end up, you know, cooking for their birthday dinners or whatever it's just yeah exciting. I love that you get all the stories as well like yeah. this is what we made after coming back from the hospital after yeah. a baby that's yeah 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 and people are, food is obviously woven into everybody's lives all the time and mm. what an honor that something that I have created becomes oh you know it was my mum's 60th birthday and we made this spread of food and this is your cake live on the table like that is that's incredible and such an honor yeah it's so nice to hear such a positive relationship with social media that you have because I think there's 
a lot going on now where a lot of people are really struggling with mm. it and finding it course, quite a difficult yeah. tool. It's really nice to hear about the positive side of it. I think I'm, I was talking to my friend this morning and I think I'm super lucky in that I've, I do not suffer from comparisonitis at all. Mm. I really feel like everyone's got their own struggles, everyone's got their own good stuff going on. You've got no idea. Mm. And people could be looking at me and thinking everything's great, they've got no idea what's going on in my life. And I know that so clearly that I never look at anybody else and think, oh my God, she's got it all. Yeah. Everything's going so well for her. Look at her amazing holiday that she's getting to go on. Look at her lovely new bag. I just don't. I look at what everyone's doing. I'm happy for them. And I'm well aware that there's other stuff going on as well. And I think reminding yourself of that is really important. Yeah. Don't be sitting there thinking everybody else has got it perfect because they haven't. No one has. Yeah. Very Definitely. healthy approach. Yeah. Yeah. It's really no. It's really nice to hear that you your audience is is positive. Yeah. And, I'm yeah. really lucky. I don't have people being a dick to me like a lot of people do. I think the bigger your audience gets. Yeah the more you have to deal with people think that it's okay to talk to you the way they would never speak to you mm. if they were facing you in the street. Never. I'm so shocked by some of the comments that you see on yeah large Instagram accounts. Just It's shocking. Just I, unbelievable. And you know those people. If they, I always think, it. like, would when you're deciding if you're going to post something, would you stand up on a bus and say it out loud? Yeah. If you wouldn't, don't say it. Like, yeah. you can't hide behind your keyboard. The things that people... Like, I get some, like, peculiar things, weird things, like, really? <laughs> you really going to say that? Like, well, And then, you know, if I ever... I, I usually ignore it. If I ever call somebody up on it, and it's nearly always DMs, it's not publicly. Okay. But if you call someone up on it, they will immediately retract and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise. It's like, well, maybe think before you do it. And yeah. um, I, I, it's no good getting into fight sometimes people just want the attention and that's why they're trolling on comments and stuff but I'm lucky that I don't have to deal with much stuff but it really gets to me if somebody says something not nice really really gets to me Definitely. I'm not very good because probably because I haven't had to deal with it very much I'm not very good at brushing things off like that mm. and I will you know lie in bed thinking about some random person that I've never met saying something not particularly nice it's like just think about that effect that you might potentially be having on somebody if you write something yeah. not nice because yeah. it's, it's not nice. No, and I think people forget that there is a real person mm. sitting yeah. behind that that account For reading sure. these things mm. and it becomes... And it usually is the person that you're on the account of. Yeah. It usually is them. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But what I, what I always really like to see is when you see um, people kind of attacking something under a photo and then you see all the other followers oh, jumping in and defending <laughs> and like, it's quite sweet when it, you see that. It is that. sweet but that kind of pack mentality can get really ugly yeah. and then suddenly the person who posts the picture, sometimes you post it, go to bed, whatever, the next day you wake up, what the hell guys, <laughs> like what is all this about? You just want to like delete yeah. the picture and fucking, because people will feel very passionately about stuff but mm. um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't have to deal with with too much bad stuff and I've there's like I said so much good stuff that's come mm. out of Instagram yeah. particularly for me that um yeah um any kind of uh issues that I do have a way outweighed yeah. yeah yeah that's good <laughs> do you have rules with yourself about your phone like after a certain time of day you don't know but I probably should the <laughs> thing is my phone is my work it's everything yeah, that's what's so hard you go on to like look at an email and then you're on 
I don't, it's it's a very what well, are you going to look at the time and then suddenly you're yeah. like writing to actually my, my um, Fitbit has helped with that because now if I want to know the time I can look that's at my watch good, I can have a watch good. for years yeah. and um, my boyfriend bought me this and now that's a really smart one well I swapped the, I swapped the strap over no, swapped the nice. strap over so it looks a bit like yeah, it's just a normal cool. one but it's got a different new strap um, but now I don't have to look at my phone to look at the time um, but my god when they put the you know usage meter oh. thing on your phone I was like <laughs> But you know how, how long were you in your office working at the desk? Yeah, yeah. You go to work from nine until five. How it's eight hours, isn't it? Um, and then you probably reply to some emails on the way to work and the way from work. And when you're at home, you might speak to one of your colleagues, whatever. My entire work is on my phone. Yeah. So laptop, basically. Exactly. So um, and also it's a big part of my of you know everybody's social life as well so mm. i'm using my phone for whatsapp and instagram and everything as well so i'm on my phone too much i know that i should probably put it away and have a more restful kind of end of the day but um yeah i don't <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> much easier to <laughs> yeah So your new book, which is out on the 23rd of it May, is, yeah. is called Green. Mm -hmm. Would you like to tell us a bit about, about the book and what kind of recipes it's sure. got? Sure. And how it um, came about. Yeah. I've got my one single copy here that's already getting a little bit bashed up. Um, it's called Green, and uh, the subtitle is Veggie and Vegan Meals for No Fuss Weeks and Relaxed Weekends. Um, and my friend Anna Jones has written a quote for me for the cover, which was very kind of her and sweet. So um, that's a lovely addition. Um Basically, it's all veggie and vegan. The last two books were pescatarian, as am I. Um, Ebri asked me to write a completely veggie, vegan book because they felt that's what was um, kind of most wanted. And that doesn't didn't faze me at all. Like nearly always when I'm... Um, I, I cook a bit of fish, but I really like eating fish and um, seafood, shellfish when I'm out. Mm. Um, I always try and order things in the mouth that I wouldn't slash couldn't make myself at home and you know things like crab and stuff like that which I absolutely love I'm not I don't do at home so I kind of do that but at home I nearly always cook veggie if not vegan um if it is veggie often the elements which might be like an egg at the end on top or some cheese or whatever added on often the base is actually vegan so they asked me to do half and half and I think more than half are vegan but the vegan things could easily have stuff added yeah. and the veggie stuff could mm. easily have stuff taken away so and sometimes the veggie ones the non-vegan element is something that could be swapped out like yogurt or butter or whatever um so the book is divided up into two halves kind of um I've called it weekday and weekend feels a little bit after years and years and years of working in restaurants and not having a weekend and my days <laughs> off being you know Tuesday and Wednesday morning um, having recipes for weekend and weekday really it's like days off and days on so yeah. but the shorthand is week, weekday and weekend the weekday section I've done a load of um, freezer food batch cooked things like in the last book that people really loved so a base recipe and then two different ways to serve it one which is super quick and easy and kind of on the table 10 minutes kind of jobby and then each one has got a slightly more fancy one maybe if people are coming around or whatever so for example there's a um uh, spinach squash and sweet potato dal so there's a base recipe and then you can turn it into a soup really quickly just for yourself for lunch or whatever and then there's one with um, serving it with cauliflower and spinach pakora so you're obviously only going to start deep frying and doing all of that if you've 
putting a bit more effort into dinner. Then there's a load of one pan dishes because I hate washing up. <laughs> so um, loads of yeah, one pan things, all sorts of um, delicious things. Not only there's a soup, there's a cake, there's a roast pumpkin polenta with green harissa, all sorts of nice things. Then there's loads and loads and loads and loads of ready in 20 minutes meals. So what I've done is I've um, kind of uh, identified various ways that help you speed up your cooking. So it could be quickly chopping stuff up into a slaw. It's a really quick way to make lunch. Um, opening a can of beans. Um, cooking some pasta, which is like super quick to cook. Stir frying, which you know is not an ingredient. It's the method that's super mm. quick. Making things into a dip, just blitzing them up. So all sorts of things. And then each of those categories, I've done four different recipes for it, which the idea is that hopefully once you learn that, it's just the beginning of sending the reader off on kind of like, now I know how to quickly whip stuff up into a dip. That's now my new thing. Whatever. Then on the weekend, when you're going to spend a bit longer cooking, there's a breakfast and brunch category because I love cooking like that at home at the weekend, things that you maybe spend a bit longer on, loads of smoothie recipes. Um, then I've done seasonal suppers. There's spring, summer, autumn, winter, whole menus for each season. Um, and then there's a load of prep for the week ahead. So the idea is that you're making kind of a lovely larder in your fridge and out of your fridge of things that can quickly be put together to make quick meals during the week for either for pat lunches or for dinner. So all sorts of things like um, roasting sweet potatoes. So you could do like four in a row. And then I give you all the details about how to keep them so they'll last for a couple of days. And you could use a couple for dinner and put the rest into pat lunch the next day. Um, things like some delicious citrus spice rice. You could make enough for three meals and keep some in the fridge. Um, uh, gochujang and tomato sauce, which can be the base of various different things. And then I've done a whole load of um, hopefully helpful information about um, love food, hate waste, waste reduction, um, prep ahead storage guide so once you've made each of those things how long they'll last for and then some ideas of some menu combinations so if you've got all of those little bits and pieces made up how they might nicely go together with something really quick that you're buying into like you just go and buy some nice breads and then serve it with a couple of the different things or buy a ball of mozzarella and serve it with a couple of the things that you've made so um that's the idea basically hopefully really helpful stuff that people want to cook all the time and like with all my books, the idea is that it's the beginning, teaching you new ways of doing things, maybe introducing you to some new ingredients, stretching people a little bit, keeping a focus always on seasonal local veg. But, you know, I'm really lucky. I live in the middle of a city where I can go and buy six kinds of toffee within five metres of my house. But I've written this book with totally not that in mind. I wrote a lot of it at my boyfriend's old house where the only place that we could go and shop was a big Sainsbury's. So, um basically everything's easy to get and if you can't get it from a supermarket i've given you um kind of guidance of uh, either alternatives or places online so yeah that's that's the book that's, that's the spiel <laughs> pack yeah. when, it, when you do it all that's a lot i think it's 116 recipes that's a lot it's so practical and usable yeah. it's not just here's a book figure it out for yourself you know you're really it's Those like are the, the best books as well the yeah. ones that you actually learn techniques from not just a nice recipe but that is that's because of Instagram so much like I could write a recipe and tell you how to make something lovely and I know because I know my audience so well I know what they're going to ask me I know they're going to say if I make that sauce how long will it last if I haven't got any sweet potato can I use butternut squash instead you know if I make this and freeze it 
Do, can I cook it from frozen? Like all of those things I'm continually getting asked, which is a huge amount of my work. You know, it's unpaid, but I'm getting asked those questions all the time. And I try and answer people all the time. Um, but that unpaid work pays dividends because now I've got a book where I know, hopefully, that I have preempted all of those questions and I can put a recipe out there with all the information I think people are going to need. Yeah. What was your book writing and recipe development process for Green? Um, so it, it was all completely new recipes. Yeah. Um, I didn't have stuff ready. Like, as soon as they said, right, commission this book, I started from scratch. And that means that every single one of my books has been a really different process as far as that's concerned because you know, the first book was everything I'd ever cooked. Um, and then the second book was things that I'd... Because they commissioned the second book really... But I think before the first book actually even came out, my publishers, it wasn't a two-book deal, but they started talking to me about, oh, wow. for the next book, for the next book. And I was like, okay, well, I now know from last time that I need to start like writing things down if I'm coming across good mm. ideas or whatever. Yeah. I need to start giving notes. Um, so I... The second book was kind of written like that, but this book was, you know, really, as soon as they said go, it was like I was on the starting line and then I started from scratch. Um, and, and how long did you have? Um, I think point? it was May or June that we that we signed. I can't remember. I think May or June. And then um, I obviously had the cafe up until September, so for the first few months I was writing um, as much as I could, but I was, like, kind of trying to do a lot of different things always trying everything I can not to waste food what I would do is um, write out the calendar work out how many recipes I needed to do and try and allocate them for lunches and dinners each day mm -hmm. so I wasn't this thing when you're writing a book you end up surrounded by food yeah. and if you have to write 10 recipes in three days you just like end up with so much stuff and there's only so you're going to call up a friend and say do you want to come and get a half-eaten bit dry because it was the first effort cake? Oh, thanks. You know, like, you want to try and make the recipes for yeah. your, the meal. That's the yeah. most sensible way of doing it. It's not always possible. So I would work out, I'd um, go and try and do a big shop and then um, plan what I was going to cook and then leave gaps so that there would be kind of like leftovers meals with all these bits and pieces and my fridge was groaning and there was stuff all around me. But um, I didn't end up wasting too much. I was really kind of on top of it this time, which was really satisfying. That's great. And I mean, with the first two books, when you were doing that process, mm. were you making food in the cafe? No, and... no, it was always separate. But in the first book, there are some cafe recipes. Mm -hmm. um, it was never going to be the Pear Cafe cookbook. It was always yeah. me. But there, I um, didn't know if that was going to be my only book. And there were some recipes that I knew were absolute bangers from the cafe, like my grandma's egg and onion recipe and a tomato and lentil and my genocide soup that it was like the best soup ever and everybody adored and it was so good to be able to share that recipe because it's cheap, it's mm -hmm. delicious, it's nutritious and I knew people were going to find it easy and I wanted to share that. Um, what other cafe recipes did we put in? All sorts of things, but they were just like some cafe recipes through the first book. But sure. no, when you're <laughs> the cafe used to be open and when you're there, you are like there is absolutely yeah. no time for like. I think I'm just going to start testing some book recipes. <laughs> gone down like a ton of bricks. So um, no, it was always cafe in the day and home. And for years, I ran a um, uh, supper club as well, an underground restaurant. So um, I was very used to kind of cafe in the day, working mm -hmm. the night, and basically working all the time. So when I got the book deal, 
didn't change was that caffeine a day right into the night. So yeah. Yeah. Constantly on. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you got lucky in a way that you had that experience from the supper club so that it wasn't yeah. a sudden and shock. And I think I've gone out with two parents who were both self employed and never had that idea of Monday to Friday nine mm-hmm. to five. Uh, I I really wouldn't get on with that. I find it so bizarre to, you know, have that really defined idea of when work starts and finishes. I'm just not used to that at all. It's like I'm working all the time, but I'm kind of right with that. I've got a new era of my life now where I'm getting much better at um, having off time and not feeling like I should be doing something, Mm -hmm. but it's still taking some getting used to because for years I've just been kind of go, 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 go. So, yeah. Yeah, the food industry doesn't lend itself to nine to five. No, not at all. <laughs> Although the cafe was open, like school hours, it was open eight till three, Monday to Friday. Yeah. So mm. we were, in theory, closed evenings and weekends. It doesn't mean you're off because no. you're running a business. Like, yeah. And you can't actually do anything to do with running a business when you're actually yeah, running the business. Yeah. <laughs> so every day, I've, you know, it's not only banking and ordering and all that stuff, but everything else that comes with running a business has got to be done evenings and weekends. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. I'm used to it. <laughs> And how, what's the promotion like in terms of, yeah, promoting a book? Has mm-hmm. that been, obviously you've got your following on Instagram and your natural presence there, but are there anything extra that the publisher kind of requires of you? Yeah, so um, I am really lucky, both because I've come and with Equally, there's like big teams whose job it is to do that, to do the marketing and the promotion. Um, so there's a load of stuff that they will organise, so... Um, as far as getting the things that I would never be able to do myself like getting the book into um, magazines and newspapers and stuff like that that's like a whole load of stuff that they deal with then there's a load of stuff that comes direct to me which they help me organise so um, if I've been asked to do demos at festivals and stuff like that so I've got loads of stuff coming up that I've got to do that's all to do with um, book promotion Um, and then all sorts of other bits and pieces some of which comes via them some of which comes direct to me um and always with every book you've got to do a lot of work that's not paid that's to do with promoting the book Mm. but um I think like my publishers have always been quite lucky with me that that's I I just that's what I'm used to like you do a lot of work that's going to come round in the end and you can't you know yeah you can't get stressed about that it's just part of the story but yeah, between now and the end of the summer, I've got a lot of stuff to do to kind of... I'm not contractually obliged to do, um, but you do because that's how you sell books. So you want to yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah. You put all this work into it, all you can just make. Yeah, not bothered really now, why yeah. not? <laughs> and want people to see it. And also it's very easy when Instagram is your main um, place, like mine is, uh, to realise that there are millions of people who never yeah. are in that arena so you might you know oh I saw your book in Waitress magazine or I saw um, it in uh, I was reading the mirror in the doctor's surgery and there was something about your book like you've got to remember that there's like a million million people who aren't within my kind of regular realm so um, saying yes to all sorts of different things and podcasts like this like I really love doing radio and interviews and all sorts of stuff like that um, that will come along and some of which um I've organised or they've approached me um, like you guys did and sometimes it will be because my publishers have arranged it but a mixture of all sorts of stuff 
keep it really varied that makes sense you can't think mm. that saying yes to getting a book deal means that you write the book and your job is done like <laughs> it's so not the case and yeah. well it, it could be and then you don't you know the book's going to flop you've got to put a lot of the work into it the writing is a small part many 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 months before the book comes out it's like a part not a small part it's a massive part of it but there's like so much more work to do to make a success of a book yeah and that must be because you know you write the book and that's quite a solitary process and then if you didn't go out and do the demos and meet people then you don't get to share that because I always yeah, think it's like that celebration. Yeah, them. you're celebrating it and you're seeing the enjoyment that people are getting from it. Yeah. Rather than it just being this thing you do on your own and then you're kind of detached from the totally. next day. And because I like to share a lot of what I'm doing on Instagram, you have this really weird thing where you're not allowed to talk about what you're doing really with the book. So in my mind it's always like a kind of iceberg. Like when people hear about book news from me, it is such a kind of tip of what's actually going on underneath. So the first thing you're allowed to do is tell people that you're gonna be doing a book. That is months after you've exactly. signed that you're gonna do a book. Mm-hmm. Then you're allowed to announce it because they they um send the um press release to the um book press and then it becomes public knowledge and you're allowed to say, Good news guys, I'm doing a book. Something else tell you for months. <laughs> so that's this first peak. And then you have to disappear, put your head down and write the book. And um, you can't, like, I'll, I'll often be recipe testing and doing stuff and sharing it. And people are like, oh, can I have the recipe? And you're not allowed to share anything, yeah. obviously, because it's all for the book. So yeah. then you've got months and months and months and months. Then the next time you're allowed to stick your head above the <laughs> parapet is when you are doing the book shoots, which is mm-hmm. usually, in my experience, has always been before the book's actually finished. You kind of have this two-week period where you're shooting the book and then you've still got some more writing to do. Um, and then you're sometimes allowed to share some kind of behind-the-scenes pictures and stuff, but not too much because you can't share because it's the picture in the book. So that's like a little bit of news. And then you can tell people, I've handed the book in, and everyone goes, yay! Then you have to disappear again, and you've got to do all the editing and everything, which is just a huge amount of work that's really unglamorous and no one gets to see or hear about because you just have to get on with it. Um, and then um, the book cover is finished and you're allowed to share that and then there's this lovely just when you're at your darkest lowest this is never going to end moment they say the book cover's ready and you can share it uh, and then you do it and everyone goes oh my god well you hope oh my god it's so great I love it. I'm so excited about your book and you go thank you very much and you just want to have a little cry because it's so exciting to get some like feedback and luckily um Lucy who's actually worked on all three of my books she's a designer um, she's freelance now and she had been at HarperCollins so now she got to work on my new book as well and she has made they feel like a real like set of sisters or cousins maybe like yeah. they, there's a real strong brand identity through mm-hmm. them all which I love and she's done this really striking cover which people seem to love which is like lovely and then you have all of the stuff planned and you start doing press and stuff and that's in the months leading up to it so by the time the book actually comes out you've done so much work and then people get the book and you have the ultimate prize, which is that you see how well it does and people start cooking from it. And, you know, my last book was a number one on the whole of Amazon, That's not just incredible. in food. Maybe for, you know, a minute, but I will screen grab that <laughs> and print it off. It was a number one on the whole of Amazon after I was on Sunday Brunch last year, on 2017. Um, and the first book was a Sunday Times bestseller. So I'm in this period now where I have to wait and see how book three does but um, the best prize is just seeing people 
looking from it and loving it and buying it for their friends and splattering the cover and you know I loved it so much and I bought a copy for my sister and she bought one for her work colleague and all it's great yeah so nice to hear we haven't really kind of heard that the kind of whole process yeah, behind the scenes it's different for everybody yeah you know, um everybody's experience is very different and I've got I was saying to you earlier that like, I'm really lucky so many of my friends do the same job as me yeah. so um, uh, like one of my good friends Rosie Burkett her book's coming out a couple of weeks before mine so we've been really lucky yeah. we've had each other at the same peaks and troughs yeah. all the way through the whole process this time um, and being able to share that and uh, have you hands in yet no how much longer have you got oh, I've only got a week and I've got to do this much more and all of those things that no one else wants to hear about it's boring do you know I mean? like, even our family and friends like you can be as supportive as you can but having somebody who's doing the same thing as you and being able to like call them and discuss stuff and really detailed things that no one else is really going to understand whatever is great and being able to chat about um, how you're approaching things and your plans and everything um, I had lunch with Anna Jones yesterday and talking to her about like where she is in her new book and when it, it, because you know from the inside how it works when you see someone announce a book or whatever you're like I know that you are months into hard work and you've got months to go before it comes out and everyone is just excited in this moment but like that's a big big day when you're allowed to tell people and when you're allowed to share the cover like it's, yeah. it's great kind of like milestones in the long process and for some people the process is Shorter, for some people it's longer. Yeah. For me, it's been the same sort of spread each time. Um, but sometimes, for various reasons, publishers want to get books out really quick, especially if you're writing about something that's kind of time of the moment. Yeah. Um, also, just the way that the book calendar works, and there's certain times when things come out, and you also when there's big names like um, Jamie Oliver and Ottolenghi and I just say to like their books will come out at certain times, and so publishers have to work out when's wise to kind of fit you in and. Um, loads of things that like, I knew none of this and I got my first book deal I was like rabbit in headlights and you learn so much every day and um, I feel really in a nice place now where although I'm nervous and, and anticipating like the release of the book I know what's coming I know how this works and I know what I've got to do and how like to a certain extent how it will play out um, but the unknown is how people react to it which I'm sure will be possible. <laughs> <laughs> Sing everything. <laughs> Definitely. I'd quite like to talk about you also do cooking classes mm-hmm, yeah. at Divertimenti. That's that right, yeah. Divertimenti, yeah. In Knightsbridge. Yeah, tell so us about that. I absolutely love that. I've um, done a little bit of teaching before, but Sammy, who runs the um, cookery school there, asked me if I'd like to come and teach. And I nervously said, yeah, okay. And that was over a year ago, and I teach there every month now, and I absolutely love it. It's been such a good, um, like, um, not testing ground, because it's always been recipes that have been kind of finished and done, but seeing people who, you get a real mixture of, of um, levels of skill from students, some people who cannot do anything. And, you know, we're, they're, they're there to learn, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with people turning up who've got zero skills. Like, I relish that chance to teach them and you get some people who are really confident regular cooks they just want to come and learn some new ideas um and seeing them cook recipes that are going into the book and it's like oh my god i actually get to see like a little glance into the future of this is how it's going to be and there's a there's a cake recipe in the book and they were split up into groups last weekend weekend before now and they did three versions of this cake and everyone made it and was like oh it's really easy isn't it is that all we've got in the oh my goodness 
chuck it in the oven, chucked it in, came out, everyone's cakes came out absolutely perfect. Everyone was so happy. Like, you guys know nothing will make people happier than cake. <laughs> like, <laughs> making a cake, if you're not, and I'm not a baker at all, like, that's not my area of expertise. I've put cake recipes into the book, which are recipes for people that don't really, that aren't into baking. And you'll quickly throw it together, you'll make it, and everybody will love you and like seeing these three cakes come out so beautiful and so perfect and everyone's so chuffed and they cut into them and they go whoa it's perfect like I know <laughs> so that it was a real treat to see these recipes from the book being made by people and Divertiment is giving me that um challenge it's an absolutely amazing setup there have you ever been not I one a it's so fancy. <laughs> it's like got the most beautiful, well-equipped kitchen with this huge island in the middle, which people stand on one side and I stand on the other side with a hob in front of me. Yeah. And so they can stand and watch. And um, they do different classes. Sometimes it's just a demo and people go and watch. But the ones that I do we call master classes. And that's where they are actually cooking themselves. So the idea is they come, usually on a Saturday, sometimes on a Sunday. Um, they come, it's a small group. Um, the most we ever have is nine, so everyone can stand close to me and see. Yeah, yeah, any more than that, and it's slow. You wouldn't be able to do it with one teacher because mm. you can't give enough attention. Yeah. Um, so there's me, and then they have a kitchen assistant, and there's um, uh, two women that both work there that kind of alternate, and they're both brilliant. And I turn up, and everything's prepped and all organised for me. They do all of the ordering and the shopping and everything. Um, they deal with all of the bookings and all that stuff, and people come along. And loads of people come on their own, or sometimes, you know, they're in couples, or mother mm. and daughter, father and son, whatever. Um, they come along, they get an apron and a name badge, and they've got their board in front of them. And then uh, I teach, and they join in, and sometimes they will all watch me while I do something. Sometimes they'll be divided up into twos or whatever. Um, and then everything we've made is our lunch. And we sit down at the end, and we make a massive, like, incredible buffet spread of everything we've made. And we sit and eat it and have wine and chat and everybody loves it. And I always feel so happy people go home. Like, if you say, what are you going to make when you get home? And everyone's like, everything. Like, <laughs> people love coming and learning new skills. And, like, it makes me really happy to think that they're going home and, like, change the way that they kind of their confidence in the kitchen or whatever. It's great. Yeah. And those it's people nice. come as a present that, like... You yeah. know, with her daughter's boy for her mum for her birthday, whatever. And so seeing them come together, I went to a class completely different, a kind of craft class with a friend a few weeks ago, and being on the other side of it and take, buying her the class as her birthday present and then going together, it's such a lovely thing to do. Yeah. So, like, buy some of the gift, but do it together. Mm. And it just gave me a whole new kind of like viewpoint on, on people turning up and doing that divertimental because it is a really lovely thing to do together. It's so relaxed there. Um, if you need any help at any point, we're right there. Mm. Um, you can come with zero skills and you'll still have a nice time. Um, you don't have to do anything. You just do whatever you're kind of happy with. And then, yeah, we all sit and have a massive mega lunch with wine at the end of it. And it's, just, it's really nice. Sounds like a dream. Yeah. And it's a really good gig. I love it because they just, they, I can do what I'm good at and they don't have all of the other I love work they, of yeah. organising. Yeah, they, and do that they do all of that for me, which is brilliant. Because so that's, that's the... That's the almost the most difficult part of it really is like liaising like the order making sure that's on time whereas if they've got their base they know they're and they have a KP that doesn't wash up yeah so like all of the bits that are not so 
fun, get done. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love teaching them. I'm so glad that Sammy first asked me. And then obviously the only reason why they're booking me is because my class are popular and people it. coming. <laughs> yeah. And I'm allowed to choose whatever I want to teach. So each kind of quarter I give her a list of the dates I want to do. And I say, like, how about this is the kind of like class title. Maybe it's... Um, you know, entertaining for vegetarians or batch cooking or, you know, pat lunches or whatever we're going to do. And then I give them the recipes and um, then they do all of the organising and planning and stuff. And then I, I write the class and plan how we're going to do it. Then I turn up and I usually come from Bristol in the morning, leave super early um, and get to uh, Knightsbridge and teach the class. It's great. Really nice. That's really cool. And people book that through? Yes, they go straight through, yeah. Yeah. Great. Loads of good classes there, and if you want to do things like knife skills classes and like more basic things, they have that as well. And there's loads and loads of visiting guest chefs who do different things that's their specialism. So mm. you can do a sushi class, you can do a um, you know chocolate class, you can do specific ingredient things like that. Or sometimes there'll just be someone like me who's cooking a uh, you know range of stuff, but it's all on the website, all the kind of class details and everything. So you can pick what you want. And they have gift vouchers as well. Ooh. I think like even as someone who cooks anyway, going because I've been given gifts of kind of like I did want a bread ahead, and you know, mm-hmm, brilliant. Go, you go along, and it just gives you like a new lease of life Definitely. back in your own kitchen. Definitely. And you're like, oh, I can do sourdough. That's fine. Like just by having that person sort of guide you through yeah. it, it's really. I love it's going lifting. and learning new things. It's great, and if yeah. it's something that's totally not what you usually do, it's still going to benefit you in in loads of ways. Yeah. Okay, so we've yeah we've chatted about how you've got lots of things going on in your week. Do mm-hmm. you try and structure it in a particular way? I'm really terrible at that, I have to say. It's hard. Um, so my boyfriend's away from work abroad a lot. So in my new life, post-cafe, what I'm trying to do is look at what I've got to do and do it while he's away, yeah. which means sometimes longer days or fitting a lot into one day, but then I can be off when he's back. So we kind of have these continual like half-term things because he'll sometimes be back when he'll be back for like three days and then go away again. So I'm kind of this is I'm still learning how to navigate this new way of living, but um, I'm quite happy to work into the evening and sit, you know, um, getting stuff done. Often the stuff that I've got to do is not kind of time sensitive. If it's planning classes for divertimenti, if it's um, uh, you know whatever it is that I've got to do. I can look at my diary and I can block it out how I want to. So what I try to do at the beginning of each week or like, you know, the weekend is make a list of all the stuff that I need to do. And so whenever I feel like, okay, actually I'm going to like, feel like I'm going to go sit in a cafe and get like a whole afternoon of stuff done. Mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what I've got to do coming up and I, I haven't got to a stage where I'm kind of like, what I'm going to do when I don't block out my time like that I just kind of like see the week and then at the end of the week I'd be like right these are the things that need to be carried over but um, I'm getting better at learning how to manage my time so I'm not working all the time because often I might I might have like four hours of work and it actually takes me two days to do because I'm not being clever about how I get stuff done um, but I'm getting better feels so nice when you can be efficient when you've got really like you start creating a list like okay that's a laptop job laptop yeah. job laptop job and then you get and then you just bash it all yeah. out in like an hour instead of like you said if, if you're 
just doing bits and pieces and you're gonna run and I'm just gonna order those because I just remembered that and then I'm gonna run back to the kitchen like it's just it's not you don't, efficient no. yeah mm-hmm. and so I find that I'm much better working somewhere else than I am in my own <laughs> house so like getting up in the morning um, I'm training for a 10k at the moment so um getting up four times a week and like when I'm like leery eyed before I kind of shout anything just put my running kit on and go do it straight away like sometimes mm. at seven in the morning or whatever then it's done and I come back have a shower get changed and rather than kind of slouching around all day because I haven't got to be at the cafe I haven't got to be anywhere I'm up I'm showered I'm done I'm dressed and then I'm off and like pack my bag and go to a cafe and like where I'm going to go and work today and I'll get so much more done than the old days where I'd kind of get up at you know, whenever I wanted, and, like, be really Cut inefficient. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, just... I really need to put my eyebrows on me. Like, just, you know, finding yeah. stupid things that need to be done, or, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm much better at squashing my work into more defined spaces now, but there's still work to be done. I think it's, like, constant work up your progress, isn't it? It feels yeah. really good when you get it right. Yeah. But sometimes it just... Or someone might tell you a new kind of technique they've got for, yeah. like, doing something or getting something done, and um, being like, oh, we might try that, see how that works out for me, but, yeah, always learning. So you've been writing the book, and you've told us about your classes. What else is there that you're doing at the moment since starting the cafe? So now that I've got more time to say yes to stuff, for ages, years, I've been, uh, you know, asked to do things and offered work that I've had to say no to because I've been at the cafe, so I haven't been able to take it on. And suddenly, like, oh my god, I can say yes to things like that. And often, it's jobs where I'm getting to do so many of the things that I enjoy and that I feel like I'm good at, and get paid for it. So, for example, I'd, like last year, I did a job for Sarsons, for example, and uh, they had launched a new pickling fifteen vinegar product, and they really wanted people to know how you could use it. So, I did this four month job for them. It was absolute dream, where they basically said. We're going to send you, start stuff, they would send me a box of the actual vegetables each month. And I said, it's really inefficient, kind of <laughs> carbon-wise, just to send me a list. I'll go and get them in Bristol. And they sent me a list of all the kind of seasonal fruit and veg that they wanted me to um, work from. And then I had to create recipes using the new um, vinegar and write the recipe for them and then share it and kind of spread the word. So I'm getting to write recipes. Um, I'm getting to cook and style and photograph and do everything at home on my own in my own time without any business running issues it was the absolute dream and so perfectly timed because it went between october when after cafe closed until january and it was just the dream and they were so great to work with and i would send them my ideas and they would say yes or no but they always said yes and then i would go away and do it and suddenly i'm at home like um, doing what I always love doing anyway on Instagram, you know, I'm cooking and shooting and styling and um, getting paid for it and um, it's like a whole new kind of area of work that I've started doing more of um, recipe development with brands is brilliant because often, you know, brands have made something they're really pleased with and happy about but they really want people to know kind of how it can be used, it's not mm. just going to sit on the shelf yeah. um, so if that's drink companies or food companies or all sorts of different things, they know that I have got the skills to spread that, you know, got the ideas, but also the method and the audience to spread the word. So it's just really nice to be able to kind of utilise both of those things and um, earn money from doing it, which is great. Because <laughs> like I said, yeah. there's loads of stuff that I have to do that isn't paid, so it's nice to kind of balance it up with um, 
brands doing really interesting, good stuff, and I say no to a lot of stuff. Like, it's not like, oh, great, you know, job's coming in, I'll say yes. I, I have a um, fantastic agent that helped me with all the kind of, like, stuff I hate doing, like contracts and invoicing yeah. and stuff like that. But um, I get asked to do a load of stuff which I say no to, and I'm really careful about what I pick, and it's great working with brands like that job who are basically giving me kind of carte blanche to come up with some ideas and kind of show off what I'm good at, which is really nice. Really okay. dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel within your work life has been your greatest achievement to date? Um, keeping the cafe open for 12 and a half years feels massive and it always yeah. will do. That's yeah. you know, my baby for so long. But I think, um, yeah, getting three book deals is dream really like there's so many people that I know would love to do that and I'm getting to do it so that feels like kind of massive but yeah that those are two minutes the book was at number one will still <laughs> be my most like tangible uh exciting <laughs> moment <laughs> yeah that is incredible <laughs> so what does your the rest of your year look like where you, what kind of festivals are you going to go to some I'm doing festivals? yes I'm trying to remember um I can't remember in order but I'm doing um, Ludlow, Abergavenny, which I don't, I don't every single it's year, nice. Abergavenny is the most incredible festival. Is it? I've, oh, never been, really I've been every year for like 10 years, oh, cool. and um, I've um, been on the bill the last three years as well, so well, this is the third. So it's, I really, really recommend you go. Yeah. Um, it's easy to get to, and it's just incredible. You walk down the streets and there's like these kind of food here. And so you go, oh my God, look, oh look, oh look, oh look. <laughs> so it's a small town and the whole yeah. festival is in the town. So um, the whole of Abergavenny becomes the food festival. And there's so many cool things to go and see and do and talks and um, dinners and loads and loads of stuff. So I highly recommend it. Um, Ludlow's lovely as well. I went for the first time last year and they've asked me to go back. And that's a really nice festival built around the castle in Ludlow. So it's you know, really beautiful. Um, doing um, Taste of London. I'm doing um, River Cottage. I'm on the main stage at River Cottage, cool. which is really exciting. And Sam and Noswell's going to be there, so I have to really oh kind of keep God. my cool. <laughs> Don't fangirl too much. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they gave me the um, last spot on the main stage at River Cottage, which is brilliant. Um, and a few other things which I can't remember. But yeah, I'm kind of doing quite a bit between May and September. Where can people order your latest book? Everywhere, and everywhere. You either search for Ellie Pear or Ellie Kershing. The book's called Green. Um, it's on Amazon already. It's on there you know, as soon as the book gets announced. Um, but uh, all bookshops will have it. So um, Foils in Bristol um, and Waterstones and everywhere. All of the big bookshops will have it. Um, and you can order it in if your local bookshop doesn't have it, but um, or obviously online as well. And then they can follow you on Instagram. I'm at Ellie Pear, E W L Y P E A R. And um, yeah, I don't really use Twitter or Facebook anymore. Um, Instagram is my home. That's <laughs> where so you can find me. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at What's Cooking Podcast, on Twitter at at What's Cooking Pod, or drop us an email at the What's Cooking Podcast at gmail.com.
Hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review or five stars. Bye.